Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. Cool. And we're back. We took a little bit of a long one this time. Yep. Because, because you both wanted to play it a second time and then didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had a doctor's appointment I kind of forgot about. <laughs> yeah, also that. Yeah, it's fine. What are you going to do? I just, I just Google image searched uh, Signs of the Sojourner all characters. And then I scrolled down and like the first image that came up that was uh, not Signs of the Sojourner was Wintermore. Huh. Which is weird, but okay. <laughs> I guess it's got like kind of a similar visual style. I guess. I mean, it, we in were... terms of like framing, how things are framed. Oh, there it is. I see it now. Maybe it could be um, people who saw a bunch of different games at Reboot Red and wrote it up. It links to a Signs of the Sojourner article. Weird. I don't know why it has our thumbnail. So um, what are you doing? <laughs> Anyway, how have you guys been the past few weeks? Oh, you know, I'm keeping on. I am. It's been a rough three weeks, just in general, mostly work stuff. My my boss quit her job. Uh, so now I'm looking for a new job. And that's where I'm at. Oh, no. Is it just like everyone who worked under her gets just goes with? Like, no, we like she like left the company, so we have all been shuffled under a different manager currently. Uh, air quotes temporarily, but like they're not hiring anyone in my department, so who knows how long it's gonna be like this. Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's it's just a very poor organization, and I'm I'm kind of sick of it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, fair. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I will try not to be a downer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Carl, anything interesting? No, I've been just, I've just been playing a lot of games. Such as? I, I played uh, Molik Synthes, the new what, Sectronic game. I played Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. Played Momodora. Momodora. What more did I play? Why does Momodora I played Somnium sound... Fire. Oh, uh, do I have that? I feel like I might have. Or I started it. Oh no, I have that on my Amazon wish list. That's one that I. Yeah, how is that? Um, I'm not very far. I okay. Could... But it's like similar to the other ones, I think. Okay. The I have been playing nonstop Subnautica for weeks and weeks at this point. So much Subnautica. 
are you still are you still in love with it or are you like is the shine coming off well okay so listen the the game uh according to to how long to beat um ranges anywhere from like um low end they say is like 27 and a half hours uh full 100% completionist is 56 and a half hours i'm at 77 hours right now and have not finished it <laughs> um yeah. it does feel so i i am pretty far um for those who know what it means when I say this, I've just descended into the magma layer and I've been fighting with the dragon. Um, but, like, I don't know. It feels kind of like they've, they're have they sort of running out of creative steam towards the end here. Because it was like, the last level was like, find an alien facility in this very deep linear cave. And then it opens into another very deep linear cave where you're looking for an alien facility. Uh, and my understanding is that it leads to yet another, like, deeper area with... So I'm like, I, mm, okay. Yeah, it's the, like, all the stuff that you find down there when you're in, actually in the facilities is really cool. But putting, like, 75% of the game in one cave system uh i was not a huge fan of that either yeah um so there is the question of like i've put 77 hours into it do i finish it <laughs> right like at what point is this like a sunk cost fallacy um i'm still like i i'm still enjoying it enough that i'm gonna keep playing it at least for a little bit um but whether or not i'll finish it is a little up in the air i think um it, it sounds like you're close i i'm not sure like what what all you've seen down there but it you're you're probably getting close to like the big find from what yeah, it's i haven't like. i have not found whatever uh facility is in the magma layer yet but i i th there's i like the the writings in the game assure me there is one so yeah um i'm gonna keep looking well, you'll notice it when you see it. It's pretty hard to miss. Okay. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. Depends what we're talking about, but yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. But uh, we're both trying to be vague and not spoiling. Yeah, I was gonna say no spoilers because <laughs> yeah. I need to be surprised. I really like the dragon, though. Uh, weirdly, I've been like terrified by all the other leviathans, but somehow, even though the dragon like throws fireballs and shit at you like I, it feels much friendlier than the others to me like it bothers me less even though it's more aggressive i think i think the dragon looks so derpy it's yeah it's really doofy looking i think it's because it has arms <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, i mean yeah. it's also possible that i've hit some kind of like fear ceiling threshold where I just can't be more scared than I am, and I'm so used to like avoiding leviathans at this point, where it's that it's like, yeah, no, I just stick along the cave wall, and when I see it, I turn and go the other way. Like, yeah, it's like the realization that it's not that scary. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like, it's basically everything that's you sized for the most part. You can just like won't won't give you trouble unless you get right up in its face, 
and anything that's bigger than you really won't give you much trouble if you just stick along a wall somewhere because they're bad at pathing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like the big stuff, you can pretty much just move through them. <laughs> yeah. As I long did, as you I keep moving, up, you're fine. I did end up, like, basically clipping through the sea dragon's tentacles, so... That was a thing that I did. Yeah. I will say, um, it does feel like kind of a letdown when you've encountered, like, the ghost leviathan and probably several reapers by this point, and you get down to, like, the big scary lava cave, and it's just... Hey, guys! I don't know. His, his, the first you. time I the first time I saw him, I didn't see his face. I just saw like the back half with these huge tentacles. And I'm like, oh shit, what is that? <laughs> that is big. Uh, yeah. But yeah, then I saw his face, and he's like kind of friendly. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a, a dumb little smile permanently on his face. <laughs> And like a weird shaped nose and arms. I, I I think it's the arms. I think it's the arms for me that do it. He doesn't need to have arms. Why would he need to have arms when he's got all those tentacles? All the all the better to whack you with, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Anyway. But yeah, he does have that big sort of doggy grin, doesn't he? Yeah. I think so far the uh the ghosts are the scariest. Um and uh, they may continue to be the scariest. We'll see. I haven't met the Sea Emperor yet, but... Um, yeah, no, I like this little draggy, draggy dude. He's shaped like a friend. He is shaped except like a friend. Except he's not a friend at all. No, but I mean, I don't know. You know, he throws cute little fireballs at you. He does. He does descend to meet me. I feel like a lot more than uh, the other leviathans I encountered. Um, but maybe that's just because you're in an enclosed space with him, so you can't really get that far away from him. Yeah. Um, I did. I did encounter. I did go to a place that I shouldn't have encountered, like a big old ghost. <clears throat> and I just put like a rocky outcropping between me and him and he just got like hung up on it like trying to chase me like he kept bumping into it and then eventually he turned around and left so I'm like okay I get it bad pathing is the solution <laughs> ghost to zero rocky outcrop one yep <laughs> exactly huh <sighs> anyway so that's my like daily continuous journey <laughs> 77 hours i've at least i got like i've gotten a bunch of twitch achievements uh the tw like twitch creator page gives you achievements for like how long you've streamed and how regularly you stream and things like that and you need you need them in order to like um some of them you need in order to get like partner and stuff um so the only thing i'm missing in order to get partner is to have uh an average of 75 people watching each of my streams, which consider I average one to two, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta, look, all you gotta do is uh, stream some Fortnite, I guess. Oh, God. Apparently, yeah. yeah. 
my not my average it. number of viewers uh is uh 2.63 according to my steam or my twitch uh my twitch page but i did recently get the achievement for streaming 250 total hours nice that's a lot of hours wow yep 77 of them are subnautic <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it is what it is. Hmm. So I will report, hopefully by the time we do this next one, I will have either finished it or given up. So <laughs> I'll report back in next time on my progress. Either way, the end of an era. <laughs> I guess. Very short era, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's probably around as long as uh, Carl had. No, Carl, you had that lemon candy for like two months. So. Uh, hmm. It was like three months or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's not as long as the, uh, it's not as long as the lemon candy era. Uh, anyway, uh, should we talk about the thing that we came here to talk about? Yeah, I think we could talk about the thing. Uh, so we played uh, Signs of the Sojourner, um, which if I were better prepared, I would have looked up uh, who made it, so I would have that prepared. Echo Knight Games is the name of the developer. Echo Knight uh, Games. Uh, really, it's because it's... Oh, yeah. Interesting. It's listed on, like, Google's little sidebar info lists it as Echo Night Games. I wonder if that's just a typo on Google's part or if they, like, were a different company name and then changed it at some point. Um, Echo Dog Games, uh, according to their website. And, uh, yeah, they, I found this game because we uh, showed with them at Reboot Red at uh, the Reboot Red conference when uh, Mike and I were showing uh, Wintermore Tactics Club. And it's a really... I, so having now like played it twice through, uh, it's, I feel like it's really a game for game designers. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a game for people who think it's really cool when uh, a mechanic makes a really good metaphor for something in real life. Um, which in this case, the game is all about uh, conversation and sort of the metaphor of communicating with people. Uh, and it is a deck building game. So you end up with a lot of cards uh, and they have symbols on them. And each conversation is basically like a cooperative endeavor uh, with your conversation partner where you're trying to make complete chains of symbols without any mismatches. And so part of that is kind of understanding how your conversation partner behaves and like knowing what cards they have or are likely to play uh, and being able to communicate in their style. So in general, uh, everyone has like two main symbols that they use to communicate. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes they might have like a third or fourth, depending on the character. Uh, and so you, like, the goal is for you to make 
your deck in such a way that you have symbols that match theirs so you can communicate with them better. But you have a very limited number of cards that you can add to your deck, so as you change your deck, you, it might get harder to communicate with people that you used to know as you adopt these new styles. Um, and it's, you know, if you... You can try and focus on sort of one type of communication, in which case you'll be very good at communicating with certain people. Or you can try and diversify, which lets you talk to everybody a little bit, but it might be hard to really connect uh, with people individually and, uh, and get full conversations. <clears throat> so it's, and, and there are so many special cards that do certain conversational kind of tactics that I find really fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I tried to lean pretty hard on a lot of those with mixed success. Yeah, some of them are really powerful. And kind of all of them can be useful in, like, very specific situations. Uh, let's, let me see if... There's a wiki for this game, but it's not very filled out because... Uh, I think not that many people have played it, but it's a really, I really liked this game a lot. And I, so I hope a lot of people, uh, I hope a lot of people play it. Um, if I just Google special cards, am I going to see the card specials? I am not, of course not. Hmm. Um, God, it's hard to find like walkthroughs and wikis and things for this. Um, <clears throat> all right, should we do story first or mechanics first? Uh, story, I guess, because there's not... It's pretty broad, depending yeah. on how you play the game. Yeah, so um, you are uh, a cat girl, uh, I guess. It's never really... Your character isn't, like, not given a lot of detail. You only sort of ever show up in... Situ in uh, silhouette um and you have cat ears but it's never remarked upon or addressed so i don't know i mean you're also never seen from the front so i guess they could be like hair things or um some kind of clothing item but i prefer to think that you are a cat girl yeah that's fair i think uh, that's what's referred to as a rebate <laughs> yes yes it is so that they can put hashtag furry in the tags on steam in case someone is searching that um <clears throat> and you live in a sort of post-apocalyptic fantasy world where <clears throat> i don't know is the world is dying question mark or there was some great cataclysm it's like not addressed very much it's it's one of those settings which i kind of like where they like they focus very little on sort of what the world is and how it came to be and more on just like the people living there and how they're dealing with it. Um, so there's, you're in some kind of little desert town called uh, Barto, and your goal is that your, your mother used to run a sort of like, uh, you know, all, all purpose shop, little curio shop type, place uh in the town and it's one of the it's a very small town so it's like one of the few reasons that anyone stops in the town and like spends money there um so it's kind of important to the existence of the town that it keep going and uh she was part of this caravan 
which is just a bunch of people who travel together across the somewhat dangerous roads to various cities uh, and collect goods from those cities to bring back to Barto and sell. Um, presumably not everyone in the caravan is from Barto. I think you're the only one because there's when the game opens, um, there's this central conflict of the leader of the caravan is deciding whether to drop Barto as a stop on the caravan, which would be bad in a number of ways because A, it means you don't have people to travel with to get goods, but it also means that no one else who travels with the caravan stops in Barto to like trade goods there. Um, and Barto needs all the business it can get. Uh, yeah, so I think Nadine is the name of the, the head of the caravan. That sounds right. And so, yeah, so you follow Nadine around. The game consists of five trips that you take, um, which can last, I think, up to 50 days. Yeah, 50 uh, days. Which, it was, like, it's not actually 50 unique events because, like, traveling takes a certain number of days between cities and things like that. Um, but... You Yeah, so you have five trips, which last up to 50 days, although you can go home sooner uh, if you want and if you're out of things to do. Uh, and your goal is to just do, do what you want, I guess. Have conversations with people. Um, you can travel with the caravan each time, uh, but you don't have to. And there's a variety of endings based on what you do. So this is speculation because I only played twice. But it seems like there is sort of a main cluster of endings, which are like the endings in Barto, which wherein like different little things change based on like, did you like get enough goods to save your mom's shop? And did you maintain a good relationship with the people of Barto, um, especially like your childhood friend while you were going and doing all these things and um you know did you follow the caravan every time or did you strike out on your own and i think all of those have like small to big effects on this like what happens to barto ending but there's also at least one and i'm assuming probably several non-barto endings that you can get which are like special secret endings where you do something else um, on my second playthrough, I ran off with Klaus the Thief, and we just left and never came back. Um, and those ones are not as complex. Like, with the with the Barto endings, you get, like, a whole scene, and you have an extra conversation at the end, and you get, like, an epilogue. With this one, it was just, like, a, a one-text epilogue where it was, like, you and Klaus, like, drove off into the sunset and lived a life of, like, freedom and joy and always having a companion by your side at the end. Do you keep your dog if you run off with, with Klaus? I assume so. I, they didn't okay. say either way, but I, I assume. Um, it would be, yeah, it would be weird with. if you just dump the dog. The dog is the best, the <laughs> the best dog character is in the game, by the, the way. The dog is freaking beautiful. Um, we can probably go through, like as many of the characters as we can remember, but uh, let's talk mechanics first, I guess. Um, so as I said, you have a deck of cards. There are six symbols, so five symbols plus sw swirly. Is that right? 
Is it five or is it four? So it's um so you the the main um the main ones so you start with circle and triangle. Your hometown of Bartow communicates with circle and triangle, and they each have um like a different personality type, like Orange circle is empathy, and green triangle is logic. I don't remember what all of the different like moods are for each one, though. It's not actually that important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you start with diamond orange. Diamond is like creativity or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah. Then there's blue diamond. Um, one of them is like forcefulness and like um, taking I think that's purple. Uh, purple square is that purple square? Maybe. Yeah, it's one of the two. Yeah, one of so there's purple square and blue diamond, and one of those is like yeah, is like creative expression, and one of them is like um, sort of commanding, sort of taking charge, sort of thing. Um, and then there's a special uh, symbol that crops up halfway through the game that's pink swirly, uh, pink spiral, and, and that's grief, and like um, sort of. Uh, coping with grief uh which happens it's because halfway through there's like an event there's like a big earthquake that happens that affects most of the towns on the route and so everybody is kind of like dealing with this and like most people's decks end up with like a few extra swirlies in them and that one's tough because you don't want to replace your like too much in your deck with these pink swirls uh, because they're pretty much that chapter only. They're, they they persist a little bit after that, but mostly they're like, they're just, they're only heavily used in that one trip. Um, but like everybody's got them. So if you don't have some cards to deal with them, then it becomes very difficult to talk to people. Which again, the metaphor is great, right? It's because people can't do their can't have their usual conversations with you because everybody is like stressed out dealing with the fallout of this thing and that's kind of on everybody's mind um but you also don't want to dwell on it too much because you got to recover eventually um so i think that's all the symbols uh and so you lay down you take turns with your conversation partner laying down cards every card has a symbol on the left and a symbol on the right um, usually made up of the two symbols that you are used to using to talk. Uh, and your goal is to keep doing matches. So whatever the last symbol on the right was from the previous card, you want to match that on the left, and you ideally want to leave an opening on the right that your conversation partner can match as well. Um, and if you match a string all the way across the board, which is usually five cards, but um, can be fewer, I think, if you like have a good relationship with the person, um, then it like, you know, it takes all the cards and it shuffles them back to the beginning. And for every conversation, there's usually like there's some uh, minimum number of white speech bubbles and number of black speech bubbles. And if you finish a row, you get a white speech bubble. If you do a conversation mismatch and lose a row, you get a black speech bubble. And whichever of those that you use up first determines how the conversation ends. So if you get through all the white bubbles, it ends well. If you get through all the black bubbles first, then it ends poorly. And in general, if it ends well, a lot of, it will either 
like just up your relationship with that person or uh, in a lot of cases that they will give you goods to sell at your store, which is important. Um, yes, what, uh, what's, did I miss anything there? I found a list of what looks like all the card effects. If you want to go through those, oh. I can go, go through those. Yeah. Um, so I think probably the first one that you'll come up with is uh, Accommodate, which duplicates the symbols on the last card that was played. So mm -hmm. if it was like Circle Triangle, you put this card down and it'll be Circle Triangle, which is bad bad because then, <laughs> then it breaks it. But if the last square or if the last card was Circle Circle, then causes a chain which gives you an accord and if you have four of the same symbol in a row you can do like one mismatch without ending yeah. that that row yeah accord gives you like a, a temporary shield basically like a one-use shield that uh that protects you from a mismatch which is very helpful super yes super useful um, there is, and it's it's made technically. Oh. It's made technically. Any time you get four of the same symbol in a row, yeah. it doesn't have to be using accommodate cards. Uh, but accommodate cards are very helpful um, because they can be played after basically any double symbol. So even if you don't have a lot of symbols in common with the other person, if they're playing a lot of doubles, you can just accommodate them and be like, oh, I see, yeah. I see you like talking about this thing. Let's just keep talking about this thing, I guess. Um, and then yeah, that helps basically. you get through it. That's accommodation. Yep. Uh, so there is Observe, which uh, when you play Observe, it lets you see the cards that the other character has, like, in their hand currently. Yep. Uh, useful, but not super useful, I think. I, I, I like it a lot because it, it helps me plan. Um, <laughs> I usually always... I, I try to put... Um, uh, if I can, I try to get observe on my most um, diverse cards, like my cards that just have the most overall symbols on them, because yeah. then I can play that card early and kind of just see what the other person is all about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I probably find that much use of, of observe, because like more than 90% of the time my conversation partner would be able to fill any stuff I throw at him as long as I throw his their symbols. Sometimes they can't though. Like sometimes they happen to draw like they're a circle triangle person, but they happen to draw all triangles. And I like to know when that's coming. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, but those scenarios were so rare that I yeah. didn't think provided that's, anything. That's fair. Of all the like there are a lot of different um uh like special card powers and observe it like feels very secure but it might be one of the least powerful of the of the specials yeah uh the next one is elaborate which copies the right hand symbol of the last card so if you had like if if you played elaborate that had you know circle triangle and you previously matched with the circle then the Triangle now has both circle and triangle on the uh, right-hand side. Yeah, this was the one that I had the hardest time using, uh, especially the first time through, because most of the stuff that I ended up... The first time through, I focused a lot on having the ability to chain doubles, and Elaborate is useless with doubles, because if you're matching the same symbol on both sides, 
you're not actually yeah. inheriting anything. Yeah. Although I will say, I probably had the hardest time with Accommodate because the first time I played it, I played it after a double, and I didn't read the description thoroughly enough, so I thought it always turned into a double, and I would mm -hmm. just play it, and it wouldn't do that. You'd <laughs> be like, what did I just, what happened? Why did I do it wrong? Um, yeah, Elaborate is useful, but again, not super useful. Yeah, it, it starts being more useful in the late game when yeah. you and your partners start having a lot of cards that have double symbols in certain areas, where it's like, oh, hey, this card, like, has two symbols on the left, so I'm going to play Elaborate so it inherits, like, you know, one of those two symbols that I didn't have and gives more conversation openings for my partner. Yeah. Um, let's see, the next one is Reconsider, which just discards your hand and draws five more cards. Useful sometimes. Yeah, useful uh, if you have... So one, one mechanic yeah. we didn't mention is fatigue. Um, the longer you stay out on your journey, the more fatigue cards you get, which have no symbols on either side. So fatigue is really bad to play because obviously it doesn't match anything when you put it down, but then also your conversation partner can't match anything off the other side because they don't have any, yeah. like, because it's no symbols. Um, so it's like a guaranteed two losses. Yeah. Also, um, it, it doesn't, like, replace a card in your deck. It adds a card. Yeah. Which means your deck gets fatter, which is... Yeah. If you yeah. played a deck builder, you know, <laughs> it's don't bad. get a fat deck. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, in that way, reconsider can be really helpful if you are late in a in a particular trip and you have a lot of fatigue in your deck and you're like, please redraw my cards. Yeah, yeah. I it also to lets not... you have a more diverse deck. Yeah. To mm -hmm. talk to different people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always try to have a couple reconsiders, um, and then I don't. Huh. I don't remember if I ever even picked this one up. But the next one is prepare, which is you just pick a card. Like yeah, I feel from like the drop pile. Yeah, I feel like that one's pretty rare. Yeah, so this is the for for yeah. the next card that you're gonna draw, you just get to manually pick what it's gonna be from your deck. Mm -hmm. Um which card, yeah. I I don't know. Like I think this card is so broken. <laughs> really? Yeah. I I, I don't like... I didn't have enough opportunity to really use it, I feel like, to say one way or the other. Cause you can like at least, like, my decks were decently diverse, and, like, I get to choose what card I have on my hand now. Yeah, that, the, the biggest danger of a diverse deck is you can respond to any situation, but you might not have the cards you need to respond in that particular situation uh, in your hand. So, for yeah, for a very diverse deck... Prepare is incredibly useful because you're like, I have exactly the card for this situation. Let me go find it. Yeah. Um, it's it's really useful. Like as you as you go throughout the game, like eventually you can start gaining cards that have multiple symbols on each side, and those are incredibly useful because they're yeah. they're very. Um, uh, adaptable to different situations, and so being able to like draw one of those when you need it is, would be is like a powerful thing to be able to do. God, I would get so annoyed. So after every every conversation, I think you have to 
pick one card that is in your deck and replace it with a like randomly generated card that it's, is it's... in line with what the person yeah, you were just I think it's technically has. I think it's any card that they used during the conversation. Okay, that that, that makes you have sense. to pick from. Yeah. Yeah. And god, I would get so mad but I when I got those three cards to pick and they were all just like crap, single symbol, no special <laughs> yeah. effects. Like, oh my. Like, yeah, I usually had, I usually try to have one card in my deck, which is like the trash card, which is like, this is the yeah. card that I'm just going to trade for an, the other person's card if I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, did, I did the exact same thing. Um, let's see. The next one is clarify, which I think clarify is always a double. Is that... Did you did either of you see clarifies that uh, weren't doubles? Well, it might be. There's certain uh, situations that you can run into the game which lets you add powers to certain cards. Oh yeah, so that it's is possible true. you can put clarify on a non-double, but I think by default clarifies are all doubles. Yeah. Wait, and clarify slide it in between two oh, yeah. cards that it matches with previously in the conversation, yeah. which is again a pretty good one to have mm -hmm. uh and then the last one is backtrack which i didn't use very often but backtrack will just if you put it down and it's a mismatch it'll basically get rid of all the cards until it reaches a match yeah. which, um and i think it stops at an accord I was gonna say, which is also, which is sort of the same effect accord. as an accord except that yeah. you have to have at least one match previously in that row if you don't then it just loses yeah. It's, a, it's one of those cards where, like, in my head, it sounded really good, but I never got a good use out of it. Yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's at least two more uh, that I can think of, um, which are uh, Chatter oh, and yeah, Listen, you're right. which are sort of yeah. uh, the, the inverse of each other. Um, so Chatter yeah. is one of my favorites, actually. Uh, when you play a Chatter yeah. card, you immediately play another card. So if you have a lot of chatter cards, then you don't have to match symbols with your opponent. You just have to match symbols with yourself, which is much easier, usually. Yeah, yeah um, chatter is pretty good. Yeah, so it's basically a way of, like, you get to fill up extra space in the conversation. Again, a great metaphor. Uh, and then there's listen cards, which come into play, I think, uh, in the disaster chapter. Um, and listen cards force your opponent to play two cards in a row. Um, which, you know, lets them handle the matching for a little bit, uh, which is also useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was useful. Well, I still think it's really useful, but, like, until one time my AI just failed twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. You're like, <laughs> he just failed on, with guy. his own card. Ugh. Yeah. That's... that's what happens when you have too many, like, mismatch cards where it's, like, different symbol on the left and yeah, right. Yeah, like... He mismatched with himself. So I think if the, in in almost every case, if not all cases, um, if the opponent can do a correct match, they will do a correct match. So probably in a case like that, they have all, like all the cards they drew are mismatched on the left and right. So they cannot make matches with themselves. Yeah, but like they played a card which also led them to not be able to play another card yeah that's probably like they which probably I'm did not, not have a better option <laughs> i'm not sure if they didn't have an option or it was like 
AI doesn't consider that. Yeah, that's true. The AI may not think that far in advance. And there have definitely been times where I played something in the hope that I would draw a card that I could use in the next hand. Um, so, that yeah, that was definitely a thing. Um, also, I wonder if Shatter's the reason why you have to swap a card. Because otherwise you can make an infinite deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I guess you... It's Wait, still, I guess you still you still can make an infinite deck. What yeah, you can still about? make an infinite deck, but it it would be tough to uh to get chatter on every card. Um like there aren't that many people that you can inherit chatter from. I got a lot of chatter cards. That's yeah. why I'm thinking about it. Okay. I mean chatter is not a bad strategy to just be someone who can like you know, fill the silences with like pleasant inane chatter is not a not a bad strategy to be talking. The, pr about. the problem with chatter, though, is that you have to play another card. Yeah. Um. And so if you. Uh... That's not always possible. Yeah. I I also really love um accords as a metaphor because it's like. If you got if you really got into a good conversational zone with someone where you felt like you were really connecting on the same level and then later on you kind of make a little bit of a misstep conversationally it lets you go back to that moment when you were sort of like grooving together. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is pretty great. Um Is that a good metaphor? I'm not I sure about. So. I feel like that that matches the it, It's a good mechanic. I feel like that matches my experience to some extent um, in in real life. Like, if if I, like, really connect with someone, then I'm more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt if they say something a little weird than if I, like, really don't know, like, if I've been really sort of hesitant about this person and they say something weird. <laughs> um. But, you know, I guess individual mileage may vary on that point. Uh, there is one more symbol that we didn't mention, which is a very special symbol, which is the rainbow yes. dog paw. Yep, the best uh, symbol in the whole game. Yes. So um, early, I think it's like the end of the second trip uh, or something like that. Uh, you meet Thunder the dog. Um, and Thunder the dog... Is just a random stray dog that you pick up who comes with you. Uh, and if you successfully have a conversation with Thunder the dog, it removes a fatigue card from your deck. Uh, and it, it's random whether a, a hangout with Thunder option comes up or not, so you can't use it like super reliably, but it's always nice when it's an option. And uh, mm -hmm. it's very hard to lose a conversation with Thunder because he has one, he only requires one positive white. Uh, uh, conversation and he has three negative black ones so you have to fail with him three times in order to fail uh, and you only have to succeed once and he all of his cards have the universal language of the dog the, the rainbow paw symbol which connects to any other symbol yeah the only way to fail is like play shatter and then fail yeah, your own yeah, mismatch your own cards or to play fatigue which can't match anything no, you can match oh. fatigue with thunder. Can you really match fatigue with thunder? Yeah, it's the only thing fatigue matches with. Wow, I never tried. Yep. 
Yeah, so you could you can screw up your own matching by like playing chatter or uh you know doing weird stuff like that, but um for the most part it's pretty impossible to fail to have a good conversation with the dog. Yeah. And Thunder is adorable. He's a cute just like scraggly kind of looking mutt. I like him. He's a good boy. I will say like one of my other um, like things that I really enjoy about this game, I love the character design in this game. The, like, yeah, the art in general is really, I, I really like the color palette. Yeah, it's this sort of like washed out desert pastels kind of mm -hmm. look. And the people have like, I don't know, the, there's like, the people are a little cartoony. Uh, but in a in a fun way that lets you get some like really interesting shapes. Um, also, there's like uh, androids um, and like a, a weird mask person who may or may not be human that you can run into in one stop. And um, yeah, so there's like there's some interesting like world building that's not super detailed like they don't get into much of the backstory but it's just also isn't there's there's a guy in old moray who's like a a fish man isn't there i don't actually i don't think i ever did i ever go to old moray it's on the caravan route that's the place where like the um the like oh, city what, guard stops you get yeah i'm not sure it's a fish man like there's definitely like shark teeth style things i think but isn't he doesn't he have like green skin and scales oh are you talking about is it i'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest you. with you i don't think that means much <laughs> yeah is that dion maybe he used to be a smuggler aboard the wave dancer it's and the then guy like trying to stop you uh, or like checks if you can no, enter no, no. That's place. a different person. That's a different oh, person. Oh, yes, that's a different. Uh, this is someone who is at the same location, um, but he's a he's like a fisherman, and he's like goes out on the boat, and he's yeah. I'm pretty sure. God, it's so hard to find <laughs> info in this game. Um, I think Dion sounds correct to me. Um, but yeah, okay. there's like a weird, like tentacle-faced fishman. Uh, I'm pretty sure. All right, I'm gonna see if I can boot up the game and uh, like just just quickly rush through um, I the, sent you the link to the, the page opening tutorial. So that that has him on there. But yeah, okay. old Murray. Yes, trust this domain. Yeah, there he is. Um, Dion. Uh, yeah. I don't know. He looks like a fish man to me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he just looks like he's maybe a little seasick. Maybe that's why he stopped being a sailor. <laughs> I don't know. He's He's got kind of, yeah, like fish green skin. I assumed he was a fish man, but who knows? Um... It is, you are a cat girl, and there are, an, like, randomly androids, so, like, it's not, uh... There's a guy with a mustache above his no nose. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not, like, uh, it's not the worst, um, the, like, worst assumption that there might also be fishmen. 
uh, especially in the Fisher person, um, the uh, uh, area, but... It's very much a, like, anything's possible thing. Yeah. Where, like, sometimes it's, like, old-timey, sometimes it's futuristic, sometimes it's... Like, it yeah. doesn't have, um, like, any any standards. Yeah, it does feel, um, like, internally consistent to me. Um, I but, think the opposite. But... Uh, I mean, like, it, it's, it feels like they, they, there could be a big thing that, like, ties it all together and internally justifies it, but they don't bother, basically. <laughs> because the world is supposed to be sort of, like, somewhat mysterious and also, like, a backdrop... Um, to the character stories, which are more important. Um, yes, so, sorry. Uh, we were talking about the dog and the symbols. Is there any... Were there any... Are there any, like, mechanic, big mechanical things that we missed? Um, I mean, not necessarily mechanical mm. things, but sometimes you do have, like, specific requests for items to pick up when you're out on the caravan. So that's one thing that comes into play occasionally. There's yeah. also the, like the whole point of unlocking cities and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so as you travel around the map uh, and talk to people, you learn about different routes between different places and you learn about different cities and so you can um, you can go to those places uh, if you know the way. And you, different people are, are at different places at different times. So you might like, you know, if you go to um, a big, uh, oh no, the profiles are unique to each game. So I don't even get to see the characters. Ah, uh, um, sorry. <laughs> the, uh... Uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, so, like, if you go to one city, like, on day one of, um, the, the journey, like, for, for the first, you know, your first trip out, you might find different people than if you go there, say, like, day three of the second journey, right? Because people actually, like, have places that they appear at different times. Um... So there's certain stuff that if you, like, if you want to go with the caravan, which is a good way in general of, like, ensuring that you get a lot of stuff, uh, then you have to stick with the caravan because if you leave and go to someplace else, it might be hard to get back to where they are in time to catch up with them. Uh, um, you might get kicked out of the caravan. Yeah, that can happen. Um, if, you, if you abandon the caravan on the first trip, uh, Nadine gives you a hard time about it, and if you lose that conversation with her, she's like, go home. You're like, I'm not taking you the rest of the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're trying to manage um, staying in the caravan by impressing Nadine and the other people there, um, and also, like, learning. There's a bunch of different sort of paths you can take. One of them is, like, learning about your your mother and sort of her background and like what, you know, who she was and what she did as a, as a younger person. Um, 
I assume there's something you can do where you eventually like find and confront the Rilkers, but maybe not. Um, the Rilkers are like a a family that controls a lot of business interests and kind of no one likes. They're the ones who are like apparently pressuring Nadine to get you to get you out of the caravan to get Barto like off the caravan route. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can actually meet the Rilkers. I'm I'm it's... I'm just clicking through the wiki and it it doesn't like have any entry mentions of any place where you can meet them. But I mean, again, we we both we all know that the wiki is not super uh complete. So. <laughs> complete, yeah. Um, yeah. So you you do end up regardless. You end up seeing a lot of effects of the Rilkers because like they also own the um like some fields that you pass through and like they've been having a lot of f effects on the businesses in old Marais and there's just a, there's a lot going on. Uh, okay. Signs of the Sojourner map. Let's try looking that up. Then at least I can talk about the towns. The Rilkers are very much like the insert bad guy. Yeah. Uh, or at least the, the people that like get, blamed the most for like everyone's problems but they do seem like kind of you know rich assholes basically yeah basically but again as far as i found you never actually meet or talk to the rilkers you just see the effects that they've had on these little towns mm -hmm. um okay so the the main caravan route you start in barto um you your second shop is pachenko uh, Pachenko has a lot, has like a sort of big market you can get, um, like, or is, uh, no, sorry, I'm thinking of Clifton. Pachenko is the artist's, uh, commune area. Mm -hmm. So Pachenko is a place where your mother used to live, uh, and they sort of know a lot about her there. There's some kind of like artist's circle that has like political sway in that town, and it's run by this sort of like really pushy snide lady who i didn't like very much yeah um and but also like one of your mother's oldest friends lives there uh there's also this incredibly like shy low self-esteem artist character uh tomas i think his tomas. name is yes i love tomas um who's, who's just like please please don't please don't say mean things about me um I think the best thing is a conversation that I had with him late in the game. Like, he's painting, like, a cat that has fallen asleep nearby. And you walk up and the cat, like, wakes up and runs away. And he's like, oh, it's fine. I know, um, what's her name? I don't remember the name of the lady who runs the town. Um, but he's like, yeah, she'll just give it a name, like, Unfinished Cat or something like that. And the painting will sell really great. It's cool that I don't have to try very hard. But sometimes I wish I had to try very hard. <laughs> I guess I'll just take a nap. <laughs> oh. oh, Tomas. Yeah. yeah, Tomas is pretty great. Yeah. Um, so they're a mostly, um, I think like Bartow, they are circle triangle people mostly. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. like the first three stops on the caravan are circle triangle. Maybe the first four, actually. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, about I think Bukumbaro. I think I didn't start. I, I think Bukumbaro is three. Mostly. Yeah, 
Uh, I didn't start running into. Well, and then it goes yeah, into the three. like. Yeah, the first three, the first three, not counting Barto, right? I think you run into some uh, blue diamond in Bukembro. A little bit. Um, and then like Aldhurst. Yeah, Aldhurst and Rimina mm. are both. Uh, yeah. I think orange circle, blue diamond. Um, yeah. So yeah. so then so after Pachenko, you go to Clifton. Um, Clifton has like a big open air market. Um, there's a nut salesman. Um, and so remind me the first, the first playthrough, um, the, you meet the nut salesman and he's like, woe is me. My shit's been stolen on the first day. Right. I think that's the second caravan. Cause I got nuts from him the first time and then I didn't get nuts from him the second time. Okay. If you go through a, a subsequent playthrough, uh, instead of running into the nut salesman on the first day, you run into the thief pretending to be the nut salesman. Huh. And she's like, oh, you want to be buy these nuts? Just don't ask where I got them. Like, and, you know, like, it'll be a secret between us. Uh, and if you have a conversation with her, she she will uh, she will sell you the nuts if you uh, if you have a good conversation. But she will also steal your shit and run. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine they didn't want you to have to deal with that the first time you're playing, so they don't make it happen the first playthrough. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, in subsequent playthroughs, she steals your shit and runs away. Great. And you can chase her down if you go to uh, Desert Oasis, which is. But then you have to abandon the caravan on the first trip, which is rough. Yeah. Um, I abandon the caravan every trip. <laughs> yeah. It's harder to find the the nice thing about following the caravan, especially on the very first trip out, is uh, you automatically get the roads for like the main circle of cities. Otherwise, you have to like rely on getting the correct conversation with people at the right time to get the roads you need, um, which you can do, uh, but it's a little bit tougher. Um, so yeah, after Clifton, um, you get to Bukamboro. Uh, which is uh, the town at the end of the the newly constructed railway. And there's like a, a nice lady there who makes matcha tea and does very bad fortune tellings from tea leaves. Um, yeah. Eventually there's like a little old lady who moves there via the railroad who like sells chocolate and stuff. And unfortunately she dies over the course of the the five I, trips like I if you go back at the right dies, time you like, can be there the for her funeral does yeah, she I did that. maybe uh, maybe she doesn't i think i think her funeral was on the last run so she probably didn't die during the the earthquake yeah but yeah yeah she, i mean she's very elderly but uh a nice old lady with chocolate mm -hmm. um you can also if you're if you're hanging out with the thief if you've been talking to the thief enough you can be her accomplice in stealing some of the matcha from the matcha lady, which I refused to do, but was apparently oh, no, an option yeah. I had. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, matcha, matcha lady is nice. I like her, yeah. Uh, do, do we have a name for her? Uh, I think it's Matilda? That might be right. Uh, I don't know the name of. Oh no, she's not on the front page. I was there is like one screenshot on 
Google images of a bunch of characters that I was hoping I could reference, but they're mostly uh, characters from like the old Mirai area and uh, and on. So never mind. Yeah, it's Matilda. Nice. Or Matilda. Matilda. Oh, Mat- yeah, Matilda uh, with like an E at the end or something. The, the French spelling. Yeah, the French spelling. Matilde. Um, yeah. Yeah, so she's very nice. Uh, and then you go on to Aldhurst. Aldhurst is the first city with explicitly different symbols than your starting area. Um, so most people there have uh, um, Circle Diamond. Um, mm-hmm. This place is also kind of an artist's commune, uh, but it's more like music based, I think. Um, so there's like a person with a musical instruments shop. There's also they, they care a lot about pickling in Aldhurst. Yeah, there's a there's a rival uh, rival pickle and kimchi salesman who like if, when you arrive there, like one of the trips, there's like a, a pickling contest going on. And the pickle guy is like. I was sabotaged, like my my beautiful vinegar was lost, and I had to try and come up with a last minute substitute. And yeah, uh, yeah. The, the kimchi salesperson is Salem. I don't think I ever had a successful uh, a successful interaction with Salem. But then the other, the pickle man is uh, Tosudo, and I did okay with Tosudo. Tosudo is is kind of a, a weird dude, but uh, but he's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a couple successful interactions with the kimchi guy, but like, not when it mattered, <laughs> right? Yeah. Tesudo. Uh, it's yeah, it's not Testudo, which would be turtle, but it's not. Uh, but it's it's like the yeah, it's like the scientific name for tortoise. But, um. Anyway, yeah. So you can, uh, you can like meet your mom's old music teacher, and get some musical instruments for your. A caravan you can get kimchi and or pickles um it's sort of a it's sort of an interesting place because it feels really nice and and safe and homey and then when you get to um when you get to the disaster uh a lot of it turns out like a lot of refugees are trying to move to aldhurst because of like their you know their homes being destroyed in the earthquake and a lot of the locals are like pretty mean and like kind of racist about it they're like oh this is a safe town we don't want new people coming in what if they're all criminals like i'm like oh i thought i thought you were cool never mind (laughs) yeah pickling people Uh, are never cool (laughs) you can't trust picklers tosudo's still okay but uh yeah like the the musical instrument salesman and salem are like, hmm. I usually was unable to have good conversations with them uh, at that point as well. Uh, then you move on to Rimina, which is like a like a vineyard town type area where they make vinegar. Yeah, Not... Tosudo's brother uh, lives brother. there and make yeah his his brother uh, Haruto is there and he makes and sells the vinegar. And there's like a family beef that you have to try to patch up, which <laughs> yeah. I failed to patch up. Yeah, uh, I think I I saw that work out one time. Um, if they, yeah, then if if you if you patch it up, then uh, like like the brother works uh, to help repair 
Tasuda helps to to repair his brother's farm during the accident uh, or in the aftermath of the the earthquake, and then um, they sort of make up. And then Tasuda's selling like his pickle jars have like a new label that's like such and such brothers, and it's got a picture of both of them on it, and it's it's kind of cute. Oh, that's nice. Um, the the other the the second brother also has a um, an android worker. Uh, for the fields, who's the first uh, android that you encounter in the game, uh, whose mm -hmm. name is XN220. And he's mostly broken. <laughs> like, his conversation clearly has, like, random words replaced with other words that don't make sense. Yeah, I I tried to help the robot, and I I did okay the first time, and then the second time I did bad, and I felt just terrible. Yeah, especially because especially because the robot like has information about your mom. Yeah. Yeah, the problem with all about like all of the stuff in that area is that I went there too late. I I was always fatigued when I went there. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because um, unless you go basically straight to Aldhurst, it's usually a late stop on any kind of uh, cycle. I guess it's about uh like, you know, middle to two thirds of the way through if uh, if you're doing the caravan route. But um, yeah, it's easy to be fatigued when you get there. Uh, yeah. The next one is Old Marais, which I think is the hardest one to get. So Rimina is also um, Orange Circle Blue Diamond. Uh, Old Marais is the first time you encounter if you're doing the caravan route. Is the first time you encounter um, Purple Square. And they are purple square blue diamond. So unless you've been working really hard to gather blue diamond cards in the previous two slots and you have enough luck to not run into uh, purple squares, then you're likely to fuck up Old Marais. Um, and Old Marais starts very hostile. Um, like the first thing that happens yeah. is you're accosted by a border guard who like accuses you of smuggling. Um, if you're with the caravan uh, and you fail, then one of the caravan members gets arrested. If you're not with the caravan and you fail, you just get turned away from Old Marais. And you can't stop there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which sucks. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's they're, they're a seaport town. There's like a lot of uh, like fishing people there. But they're also, yeah, under this sort of weird martial law where... Um, What's the name of that character who arrests you? Gull. Gull, yeah. Gull is like uh, keeping law and order in the city. Yeah. But there's also there's also clearly some civil unrest. I think that might be where the Rilkers live um, because there's like some big corporate towers or something that they own uh, in that area. And like over the course of the multiple journeys, there's like some protests that happen. Uh, where their their people are protesting at the base of their buildings. Yeah, I think Gull also just works directly for the Rilkers. So, yeah, that I think that might be true. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then you go to Tosende Canals, which is like a sort of an agricultural area that's entirely that's like a bunch of farms owned by the Rilkers, uh, and is farmed by bots. So you can talk to like one bot that works for the Rilkers and one bot that's like trying to uh, like support an independent farming co-op. Um, 
I think Oscar is the name of the independent bot. And uh, I did. I was not usually doing very well into Sunday canals because by that point you're pretty far from home and the symbols are pretty different. I forget what symbols they use there. Uh, it um, says they use a lot of crystals or like diamonds. Yeah, the blue diamonds. Yeah. It says they're a diamond square overall. Yeah. Town. Yeah. So similar to old Marais. So if you've had a chance to mm -hmm. get a few old Marais cards. Then it's maybe a little easier by Tesende Canals, but not by much. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to talk to robots. Uh, and then you go to Anka, and Anka is like the big metropolitan city um, where there's just like a bunch of. It's bustling. There's a bunch of people. There's like a little street urchin kid um, who's sort of a criminal <laughs> called Lil Basilio. <laughs> And by uh, and sort of, you mean totally a criminal? Absolutely a criminal, yes. Um, uh, he runs like a gang of children. <laughs> and uh, if you impress Lil Basilio, you can meet his brother, Big Basilio, who also like used to be like a, a child urchin criminal, but is like trying to, like, you know, lead a, a better cleaned up life. Yeah, turning over a new leaf. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I actually didn't meet Big Basilio at all on my first playthrough. I only met him the second one. Yeah, I don't think I went. I don't think I went to Anka, so I didn't meet the Basilios, unfortunately. <laughs> you would I have liked a Lil. lot of time in Anka. Yeah, I think you would have liked Lil Basilio. <laughs> he's, he's sort of like <laughs> kind of adorably worrying. Yeah, that's good. Um, so then there's also, there's a number of places that, um, you can get to if you can find routes. Uh, some of them are real places that you can stop to talk in pe to, to people. Some of them just, um, like have special effects. Uh, so there's a, there's a place that's the, uh, off of Clifton that's the Desert Oasis. And uh, you can get there, I think, from Anka as well, if you know the route. Um, the, so the Desert Oasis is, I think, tr Green Triangle, uh, Purple Square. And mm -hmm. there's like a, an old man there selling dried fruit. Um, he has, there's an adorable, uh, story you can do. So, so you can, first you can take his, uh, his son to, you can give him a ride to Anka to help him find work. Um, but later on you can also take the old man's letter to like, uh, an old flame one town over and like get her to come back and set up shop with him, which is really cute. That is cute. Um, so the desert oasis leads to the desert garden and also to a place called Longgate. Um, and Longgate is like a gateway out to the desert where like some very different sorts of people live. There's like a character who has like a fancy mask who you can meet there who's like, you know, it's weird that, like, this city is, like, the central hub of civilization, and yet, like, none of you people seem to venture out this far that much. So, like, clearly it's there's, like, a whole bunch of stuff on the other side of it that you never get to see. Um, that guy is interesting because he has almost no, like, same sign, same sign cards. He uses, like, a, an incredibly diverse deck. Um so he can, you can match a lot of stuff with him, but you kind of have to have a pretty diverse deck to keep up with him, too. 
Hmm. Uh, that's also where you can eventually run away with the thief, if you want, is in Longgate. Oh. Um, so the places that I found that let you, that are like special behavior places are the Desert Garden, which goes off of Desert Oasis. If you stop by the Desert Garden, uh, you can duplicate any card in your deck and it will replace a different random card. Okay. Um, and so I, that's actually not as good as it sounds. You yeah, have to have a card. Okay. You really... I went there a second time thinking, I thought this was like, you got a random effect. And I was yes. like, oh, no. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I went there the second time. I'm like, oh, it's always just copy a card? That's a terrible effect. I'm not going to do that. Um, my yeah. deck needs to be more diverse than that. Um, there's also one off to Sende Canals. I forget what it's called. It's like a mud flats where like nobody lives anymore. Um, it's sort of like an old abandoned town. Um, and if you go there, it just uh, removes a fatigue card. Which is nice. Oh, is that gray gray cambay? Yeah, Cam that's probably right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's then there's a series of towns that uh, are hard to find routes to, which deal with your mother's past. Um, so there's Hara off of Pachenko. There's Persery off of uh, I forget if it's off of Rimina or off of Aldhurst. I think it's off of Rimina. Uh, and then there's the Wave Dancer off of Old Moray. Uh, and the Wave Dancer is the only one that I didn't go to. So I don't know what happens in the Wave Dancer. Yeah, I only went to Hara because I, I, I failed the conversation with the, uh, with the robot to get to Pessaray. Perseray, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Perseray and then failed all the conversations in Perseray. Yeah. So, because uh, I was so fatigued by that point. Yeah. Yeah, the fatigue um, system is it gets really brutal. Yeah, I think it's the wave dancer was the wave dancer. I think is the name of like the old boat that your mom used to have or something. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, and I did eventually learn the route there from um, Dayon, the the old fisherman. Um, but by that point, it was like the last trip, and I was trying really hard to do this thing with the thief, so I so I did not have time to stop at the wave dancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so who knows what happens at the wave dancer? Probably something interesting. Uh, in Hara, you meet, you learn about the like founding of the artist circle and sort of like how it, it seemed like, you know, they had these big dreams of like being like this artist's co-op that would be uh, like sort of for the people. Um, and then they kind of sold out and like didn't realize the and the awful effect it was going to have. And then it had like an awful effect. And then they like felt horrible and they were sort of outcast from like the people who had trusted them. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of really sad. It is. Uh, and, and Hara is sort of like a an old like a, a desert town that's basically completely abandoned. Like mm -hmm. they, their goal was to like bring it back and and make it vibrant and you know help support it but instead they accidentally helped the rilkers like just completely milk it for resources and then dump it yeah which is yeah is a little a bit bummer yeah is a, yeah exactly it's a bummer yeah. um but you do learn about you know you kind of learn about that um in persery you can meet your mom's old flame so not actually your dad 
Uh, it's like the person she was dating before she met your dad, who kind of like thought they were going to end up married and be together forever. And then your mom kind of like ditched him. Oof. Um, <laughs> which I don't really know, like, like, I'm sure you can learn some interesting stuff about her if you win that conversation with him. But like I said, I failed <laughs> that conversation. It's sort of a swamp town. And actually, uh, Salem moves out there uh, towards the end of things. But I also failed my conversation with Salem out there as well. So I don't really know what his deal is. Yeah, that's fine. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so if there are other, like, special stops that have special effects or other places um, from your mother's stories. Uh, we don't know what they are <laughs> because the wiki is not complete enough. Yep. And then occasionally uh, while you're, while you're out on the road, there will just be like randomized events um, that like, sometimes it's just hang out with your dog, lose some fatigue. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes you can get a single use accord just to apply to any of your cards there's somewhere you can like add special effects to cards that you have in your deck that don't have an effect. Yeah, um, which is a really nice power. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But those are just random events yeah. that pop up. Whenever. And it's it's usually accompanied by a little flavor text about like, you know, you sit and like reminisce about your mom, lose one fatigue. Like you sit and like wait out a thunderstorm with some people on the road and like you, you know, gain like some new stories, and so you get the ability to add chatter to one of your cards and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and as you go to different places and talk to different people, as we said, um, different conversations may unlock different roads. So, like, you can get the main sort of circle of roads by following the caravan, but you can also learn about shorter paths between certain places uh, by following them at certain times, which is good. Um, you can get various goods by, you know, depending who you talk to and where you stop, what successful conversations you have. And as we said, the, sometimes people from home will request specific things like, oh, I really need like a non-perishable food or I really need scrap metal. Um, at one point I was so sad because I worked really hard to get a different, um, instrument than I usually got for, uh, for the guy who needs an instrument. And then I missed the concert, so I didn't get to give it to him. Oh, no. Because I didn't get back in time. Yeah, the, the travel time definitely screwed me up a few times. Yeah, you, you, yeah it's hard to... You, uh, you have to not underestimate how long it will take you to get to certain places. And there are, like, events that you don't want to miss. Because you can, like, you know, you can follow the caravan, but then there's also, like, there's a fishing, you know, contest going on in Old Marais. Or, like... There's like the pickling contest in Aldhurst and, you know, like, so there's, there's lots of stuff that, you know, is on your calendar so you can see when it's going to happen and when you want to arrive at that place. But you gotta, you gotta plan for how long it takes you to get there and also how fatigued you'll be by the time you get there. Uh, I think that's it. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Probably. Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we probably missed, but I think we talked about most yeah. of what we what we are able to talk about. Yeah. Any any particular like favorite characters or encounters or little storylines? Uh, man, I'm still like I still wish I hadn't failed with the robot. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to do right by that robot, but yeah, no, I like 
I like Tosido and Haruto, um, and their their not great relationship. <laughs> their their pickle brotherhood. Yeah, they're 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 slightly strained pickle brotherhood. I like them. They're pretty good. And I really liked. Character. Oh, sorry. Uh, I really liked helping the old man find his old flame in the uh, in Desert Oasis. Yeah, there's one character that I like. Now that I'm looking on the wiki, it, it seems like he just pops up in a lot of places. Uh, what is his name? I have to find him. Hang on. I think it's I I I rot. Uh, hang on. I know I saw him in. Yeah, I rot. Who I guess like just kind of drifts around. Was like a railroad worker for a while. Oh, and I know where he comes up... from. But uh... yeah, then he ends up in Pachenko. And has just faked his way into being, like, a very popular lecturer that everybody really loves to listen to. Oh, that's like amazing. Him. Yeah, um, I like him. So he's the, he's the son of the old man in, uh, in the um, garden, in the uh, oh, desert garden. okay. Desert Oasis. Uh, yeah, Eret. Um, yeah, I didn't go to the desert oh. oasis until late, so I didn't, like, he's meet. He's the guy. I didn't, yeah, I didn't he's get the, the mustache above yeah. the nose guy. He's the mustache yeah. above the nose guy. Yeah. 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 So Erat, you can give uh you can give him a ride out to Anka to get him his construction job if you go there in the first trip. Okay. Yeah, I didn't go to the Desert Oasis right off the bat. I went there a little bit later, so I missed yeah. that. But I ran into Erat later after he had uh what did he say? He said, Yeah, they told me in Anka to fake it till you make it, but I don't even know what it is. And yet, he he still has managed to become successful. So good on him. Yeah, good for Arat. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of like, if you if you actually like really dig into people's relationships and you like get to know them, like there's some really good like little little narratives that you can turn out. And like if you if you have enough good conversations with people, it often opens other options. Uh, like, for instance, if you talk to the, the the old man in the desert and you win the conversation, as it were, then you can have another conversation with him later where he asks you to deliver a letter. Um, and, and if you're successful with that conversation, you get the letter and you can take it out to Longgate. Um, and then you have to talk to the old woman there and she's like suspicious of you at first. And so you have to succeed in a conversation with her in order to deliver the letter. Uh, and then she, like, that opens up the ability to give her a ride back to the desert oasis. Uh, and again, you have to succeed in that conversation. And I was so determined to succeed in that conversation that I save scummed. <laughs> I did that conversation oh, nice. like three or four times until I got it correct. Because I really wanted her to go back and, like, meet the guy in desert oasis. Um, yeah. And so... So the, she's a, she sells like little cactuses. That's her like business. So she like packs up her whole business and takes it to Desert Oasis. Um, and they set up stalls next to each other. So uh, the, the old man who sells dried fruit has a, his stall is called Succulent Sweets. So she sets up a shop next to him called Sweet Succulents. Oh. <laughs> Which is like adorable. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're very cute. That's great. I gotta be honest, I, the story or like the narrative didn't click with me at all. No. I thought like 
the characters were like all over the place, the environments were all over the place, and I was like, you're ready for the cards. You're ready for the cards, baby. So like, yeah, I kind of wish this was like a board game. Because, like, the deck-building thing is really cool. Yeah. And that's fair. I Yeah, I often wondered as I was playing it, like, what would it be like it, as a, like, cooperative game where the other, where you had an actual other real person on the other end? Um, it would be hard as a board game because you'd have to, like, make it a specific rule that you're not allowed to talk about what your cards are unless, like, you get an observe... <laughs> Right, because it'd be, I mean, it'd be too easy to cheat otherwise. That's true for like all. Yeah, like, that's true for like all co-op board games. Um, I mean, in a lot of co-op board games, you are expected to kind of show what cards you have and to talk about what cards you have with other players. I feel like. Ah, uh, yeah, some, but there's a lot of stuff where like you're, I mean. You're both there to have fun, and you don't want to have... If you openly talk about it, you don't have fun. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, so like, I actually... I, um, I'm sort of interested in that idea of cooperative mechanics, because I... Uh, you know, I feel like cooperative board games run into this problem quite often where it's very easy for it to effectively become like a single player game, right? Like the one person who knows the game the best, like looks at all the information and tells everyone how they should cooperate with each other in order to succeed. Um, and then the other people aren't like really playing the game and making decisions. They're just implementing the strategy of the one person. Um, and I feel like games it's it's hard for co-op games to not fall into that trap um, because it's it's hard to keep information hidden and just say like, oh, this information is hidden because that's the rules. You're just not allowed to talk to people about, you know, your your cards like that. That feels like a weird constraint, whereas like good games that do it make you you're, you have an incentive to keep information hidden because like it's cooperative, but, like, one person does get the highest score or something like that. So there's, like, some, like, I interesting incentive to to not fully tell everyone everything. Um, or another way that games solve this problem is by chaos, right? Like, sure, you could talk over strategies with everyone all the time, but you have one minute to make a decision. Go! You know, or, like, something that, like, you know, like, during this, the I'm thinking of... Um, What's the name of that game? There's a there's a fun space game by the guy who did Galaxy Truckers, um, where you're all trying to cooperate together to like run a spaceship, but it the the events happen in in real time, and there's like a a soundtrack that accompanies it that you like play tracks uh, as you're going, and like sometimes there'll be like a red alert where certain things will happen. Or there'll be like comms silence where like no one is allowed to talk to each other because the comms are all down, um, and like little little weird chaos moments like that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you'd have to have you'd have to have some good uh, excuse to make 
to to make this so that like you don't just see each other's cards all the time. You'd have to have a good like game yeah. reason for it. But like I think like during the last like last five years and the explosion of co-op board games, they have found such good ways to solve that. Yeah, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to seeing a, a physical version of this. I think it would be pretty cool. Um, it'd be easy enough to do uh, like real person co-op in a digital game because then the game can just enforce. Oh, you can't see your conversation partner's cards, but I mean, you can still tell them. Uh, only if you're like otherwise in communication with them outside the game. Yeah. Right. Like. If it's uh, if it's like journey where like oh you got matched with someone random and like the only way to communicate is through chirps, um, then it's uh, then it's like it's it's easier to to control the communication channels. Um, but yeah, no, I I really enjoyed and it's fine if you didn't connect with the story. Uh, I I feel like it wasn't like. It wasn't a crazy deep story where I felt like particularly invested in like the outcomes of um, like any, you know, any one thing, but it felt like a cool kind of unusual slice of life, right? Like here are a bunch of people living out their own little dramas and you get to see like a little window into it. And I, I find that kind of neat. I like that kind of storytelling. Um, so I enjoyed it a lot. I will say I really enjoyed the like the best moment of this game is the fact that you're like conversing with Elias and like you're you're changing your deck and you're growing and it becomes harder and harder to communicate with Elias. Yeah, Elias being your childhood friend from the beginning of the game. And that I think is like brilliant. Yeah. It's, yeah. It exactly mirrors, like, my experience going off to college for the first time, or actually having friends who went off to college before me, where it's like, person goes out into the world, like, learns things about the world, and comes back, and all of a sudden, like, all of their stories are different, and, like, the way they talk and think about stuff is completely different, and it's just so much harder to talk to them, um... And this this really feels like that because you, you know, at first, like, it's so easy to talk to Elias because you have basically complimentary cards with him. And everything you play is instantly, like, has a match. And then, you know, you come back a couple times and maybe, like, oops, now I don't have, like, you know, that the right card in my hand this time. Or now I'm just, like, really fatigued and I just don't feel like talking to him today, you know, because I've just been on a really long trip. And, you know, it, it's like kind of very melancholy in an interesting way. I, I got so annoyed with the fatigue <laughs> cards in my hand when I came back to talk to Elias. And it's like, the, 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 that's one of the times when like the metaphor breaks down for me. And maybe like, <laughs> I think, I think if, if you have someone who you have been friends with for your entire life, it's not going to be a big catastrophic thing if you come home from a long trip and you say, hey, look, man, I'm really tired, but we'll catch up later. Um, <laughs> do you, you do you have to talk with Elias? Can you skip conversations with him on the way back or is that mandatory? 
there i'm not sure 100 percent of the time i know some of them were mandatory um maybe not yeah, it's maybe the that. ones when you come back it might be the ones on the way out that you can skip with him yeah because um, um, you don't have to have a conversation with any given person you can choose to yeah. not uh with a few like specific story-based exceptions you can choose to not have um to not engage with a conversation um but yeah it's <sighs> yeah elias is a little bit pushy and i agree that like um, probably you snapping at your friend because you're tired would not, like, completely destroy a childhood friendship. Um, but maybe over, like, a longer scale, you know, as, as a metaphor for something that, like, would be bigger in, in scope than what it actually happens, I could see that. Like, if you, you know, are a traveler and are someone who, like, repeatedly comes home grouchy and, like, doesn't want to talk to people, like, over time... That could stress out your friends and make them like, you know, kind of more wary of you and more skeptical of you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel or like you just moved to Pachinko. Yeah, that's true. Just, that, that's what I did. I don't know. Is that like, was that the ending we all got? Is that is that just the default ending? Moving to Pachinko. Yeah, that's that's I, what I, I did at the end. That's I what did I not, did. I did not move to Pachinko. I. Uh, I went back to Bartow and the shop was super successful and I was good friends with uh, Elias and he had a like very successful coffee shop and our store sold his coffee beans among other things. Oh, that's nice. And we I stayed in the caravan. Pachenko with Elias and started a shop with him. Oh, interesting. And we were successful. Nice. I, I moved to Pachenko alone and Elias showed back up 10 years later and we had a nice conversation. Aw. <laughs> He gave me uh, he gave me a gift of his handmade keychains. Aww. In Pachenko, yes. <laughs> That's very cute. Oh, uh, did I misread something, or did that happen to me? I don't know. <laughs> there's probably <laughs> a bunch of different. It sounded like lot. awfully similar, but I thought you moved with Elias. It's possible you can do both. Um, like, it's possible it depends on, like, whether or not you managed to maintain your relationship with Elias during the playthrough. Because I, I got a very modular feeling from the ending I got, where it's like, oh, clearly, like, whether you stay in Bartow or not is one modular thing. Whether the store is successful or not is a modular thing. Like, whether you uh, are still friends with Elias is clearly a modular thing. Like, I think there's a lot of different combinations, probably, that can happen. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But even, so. like, the key ring stuff mm. I had. But, like, instead of him giving a key ring, you're, like... I don't know. He found a key ring or something that you <laughs> sold. Nice. Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, there's probably... Like I said, I think there's, a, like, a main cluster of endings, which are probably, like, the endings that have their own epilogues. And like the 10 years later bits. And then there's at least one, but I assume several secret endings, which are just like little one off text ones, like running off with the thief out into the desert. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have a whole lot else to say. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I, I will also, another thing I really love about this game is just, I love the, the polish on the UI. <laughs> 
just like it it feels mm -hmm. and sounds really good to like deal and place cards and i love the little like uh thing at the top where these the, there's these like little squares that like pop into speech bubbles when you get a you know a correct or incorrect conversation um and it's like really easy to follow and i don't know i just i, f I feel good about their ui <laughs> it makes me happy yeah. And I don't know, like all of the noises that pop up when you like successfully do a chain and you've got a big long accord with somebody. It's like, oh yeah, I could tell I did yeah. good. It's like ping, 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 ping. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> it's like shoom when you get an accord. It's it's there's some nice little touches um that just feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I as I say, I I really like this game. But I, I also do think it's a very, like, game for people who really like game design as a thing. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I, I could see you, like, teaching this in a class about, like, you know, ludonarrative stuff as a, like, this is an example of, like, ludonarrative harmony, where, like, the mechanics really well support the sort of narrative of what's going on, as opposed to, uh, like gyromancer where what the fuck is, is matching gems supposed to even be right like man i keep thinking someday like i really want to go back and play gyromancer <laughs> i haven't gotten around to it yet but one of these days yeah. <clears throat> maybe we should do a month for our podcast uh at some point which is just like podcast retrospective where we just go back and like replay some of the previous games we played could do yeah um not that not that we have like a shortage of other things that we've been yeah, trying to play um yeah uh but yeah so signs of the sojourner i highly recommend uh people try it out if this description sounds interesting if this sounds like a like very much not the sort of thing you're into like it's not necessarily for everyone but i i liked it a lot um and it's it was part of the uh giant itchio bundle for racial justice so if you got that enormous bundle and you're overwhelmed by the number of games in it and don't know where to start uh signs of the sojourner is a good thing you can play from that bundle yeah or you could play walden yeah or play walden <laughs> which is a game that i helped work on so yeah um which is also is very different in feel we could play walden for this at some point if you guys want if you really want like a short chill game at some point, you're like, I have a lot to do this week and I'm very stressed and I just need something I can chill out with for a few hours. We can play Walden. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have it now. Yep. So that's good. Uh, but that's not the name, the game that we are playing next. Uh, Kelso, you want to talk about the game we are playing next? Yeah. The game we are playing next is uh Necrobarista, which came out, recently like a couple weeks ago uh by route 59 games australian devs and it is basically a visual novel it's a visual novel with like a, a nice a shiny new wrapping paper on it um about necromancy and being dead or maybe not being dead and there's some robots uh yeah it's cool check it out okay. there's some shading yeah, there's cell shading. There's a lot uh, of cell shading. There's a lot of cell shading. There's some knife fights uh, that you can read about uh, optionally. 
So there's a little something it for everybody. It reminds me uh, visually of uh, Ruby a little bit. This sort of like yeah. very anime style, but rendered in 3D kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've already played a bit of it. It's pretty cool. I'm liking it. It's, I mean, I'm, it's like Necrobarista has been on my radar probably for like two years now or something. I've been, I've been waiting for this one for a long time. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, we haven't played a visual novel in a little while, I think. I mean, unless you count Wintermore. Yeah. I would mostly count Wintermore. Yeah, we have a lot of text. We're actually like we have we have text in the style and amount. Uh, I think as an RPG, um, but when we call it a visual novel, then people have expectations of a lot of text, and they they react to it better. Yeah, um, that's true. Which is funny. It was basically visual novel was more a way of setting expectations than an accurate description of the game genre. Yeah, that makes sense. Not not enough. Uh, well, I guess there there were a couple of romances in Wintermore. Yeah, there's some there's some note passing and whatnot. The thing yeah. is, like, if you say RPG, then people expect the quests to be like talk to person in town and then go out and fight like X number of this enemy. Um, whereas like all of our side quests were like go to person X and talk to them and then go to person Y and talk to them and then go back to person X and talk to them. And like if you give that as a as a as an RPG quest, people will go like, Ugh, the quests are dumb and they're all just talking to people. But if you say it's a visual novel, they go like, Oh yeah, no, you just talk to people. That's what you do in a visual novel. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. That's a great I mean, a it's a different user base, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. That's yeah. Basically, we're like, hey, this is a very narrative-driven game, so it, you should come to this game if you like most visual novel players like really narrative-driven games. So, yeah, it was it was for as I say, expectation setting in terms of ah the what the what the particular pleasures are of the game. But again, we've already played Wintermore. We're playing Necrobarista next. Yeah. Uh, plugs, I guess. That's what we do next, usually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kelso. You can find me on Twitter, uh, at Kelso Time Bomb, and you can also follow the Feedback Force podcast Twitter, at Feedback Force. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm at Kyla underscore Go on Twitter. Um, you can follow me to get updates about when I am streaming Subnautica. Um, because I've been doing that on and off. Not exactly every day, but close to every day. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm that. at Gag3 on Twitter. Done. Nice. Yep. Yeah, wrapped it up. All, All right. right. Cool. Yeah, thanks for listening, so y'all. You have two weeks to play Necrobarista and come and uh, talk to us on our Discord which you can find out about via our uh, Twitters. So, you know, come yeah. ping us on Twitter. Do it. Yeah. Yep. And that'll about do it. See All you right. guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.